and welcome to Happy Hour. My name is Phil, and in this episode, you will hear the crazy story of why there have been no episodes over the past few weeks. Before leaving for Peru, to be honest, I did have three episodes ready to go. So I just want to give a shout out to Irish Dave at Strut Sound Productions for helping me get those ready, even though they weren't able to get put out. Before we get to the story, though, let me introduce our first guest. He's your favorite gap tooth Brazilianaire. Welcome to the show, Seiji. <laughs> Thanks, Pauline. I, I appreciate the Brazilian accent. Yeah, you must have been working on that for a while. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've been sounding it out. Uh, <laughs> what's going on with you, buddy? I not much. No, you know, it was a fucking. It was a, it was a wild trip. I think you know we've done like what, like ten ten trips together now, and I was thinking like, fuck, this has got to be at least top nine. Like before we even <laughs> left for the trip, because I'm rolling out Paris because Paris sucks. But now that we're back, I'm thinking like, fuck. It was, Paris was, it, it was probably to be fair. Well, it was a little bit. The less we talk about Pigali, the better, I guess. But um, yeah, I, yeah, I, no, it was, it was. I gotta say, it was, it was top, top two. Like, I was gonna say the same. It was top two for me. It was fucking what an effort this was. Like Peru really fucking lived up to expectations and and went beyond really. So yeah, cheers to Peru. Yeah. So before we get too much into Peru, let's introduce our other guest. She's actually a new guest of the podcast. She's been to approximately 15 countries spanning four continents. And recently she got engaged in Peru. Welcome to the show, Jacqueline. Hey, happy Look to at be that here. rock. Yeah. Look at that rock. Oh, that's got to be at least what? Seven, 70, 80 shows. <laughs> Just for anyone who doesn't know the conversion, 80 solis is $6. <laughs> it's like the equivalent of like a ring pop in Canada. <laughs> for those who don't know, it's like... Get those in the cereal box. Like candy you? on it. <laughs> yeah. But anyways, welcome to the show. Great to have both of you back on here just so that, you know, it's been it's been a few days, that, or I guess it's been a week that we haven't really seen each other. Uh, Jacqueline and I, or we've seen each other, but Sid has, has left us about a week before uh, we ended our trip. But it's it's great to get everybody back together. We're still fresh, you know. We're still the the the, the trip details are still really fresh, and so I think it's great to uh, to have you on so that we can document this because holy fuck, it was a crazy trip. But let's before we even like talk about getting into, like into the story, Peru. Like we have to say, it is one of the most for me. I think it's it's one of the places in the world that there is literally something for everyone. Whether you like mountains, you like desert, you like beaches, you like jungle. There's just seems that there's so many things. There's like, I feel like we could go back and do other shit and it would still be an amazing trip. I'd say it's even so crazy that if you're a stray dog, there's even stuff for you. I'd say that I, I saw the most well-fed stray dogs I've ever seen in my life. Some of those motherfuckers were huge. <laughs> like you were talking like 300 pound dogs. Like I, I, I seen some of those dogs, they'd probably take on the tigers I met in Thailand. They were big motherfuckers. <laughs> I, I think you like if you're a stray dog listening to this right now and you are not being respected where you're where you're at, just go straight to Peru. <laughs> I was gonna say no, Peru really um re really surprised me in in, in a way because it, it, as you said, the, there's so much to do and it's just so nicely set out for tourists. Mm. It's based on my experience in the continent. You know, I've been living in South America for a few years now. I've done most of the countries here. Yeah. Peru is very unique in the way that it's re, it almost seems like it was designed for tourists. Yeah. Because there's so much to do there. Like you have so many options to do everything. You have so many different routes. There are, there is obviously the generic things that everybody does, like Machu Picchu that we'll speak about. But I mean, like 
you, you, I mean, you could, as you said, you could do a phenomenal Peru trip and actually not even do Machu Picchu. You'd be odd, you, it'd be odd to do that, but you could do it and still have a great time. And there's just, you know, there's good hostels everywhere. There's good train routes, good bus routes. Okay. It's not necessarily really easy. It takes a long time to do these things, but it's much better set out for tourists than the other South American countries by far. Absolutely. All right. Bang on. Jacqueline, you, so on this podcast, we talk a lot about Colombia. A lot of guests have come on and say, oh, it's one of my favorite places. You've done both Peru and Colombia. I want your opinion. Which one's better? Well, I think I agree with Sid because Peru just exceeded all expectations that I had. And I feel like when we went to Colombia, everybody had talked it up so highly. And don't get me wrong, it was amazing. Like we had a great time. The food was good, the music, the culture, the people, um, the scenery, it was amazing. But I think Peru, my expectations were a lot lower and they just were exceeded in every possible way. Like Sid said, it was easy to book stuff that we wanted to do. Machu Picchu, of course, was amazing. But even Cusco, like, you know, in my head, I was like, oh, Cusco, it's going to be a Spanish looking town in the mountains might be nice. And then we got there and we all were like, wow, this is amazing. This is one of the most beautiful town squares we've ever seen. It's clean. Um, there's restaurants everywhere. There's stuff to do. And yeah, so I think Peru, I liked more than Colombia, but I think maybe it was just my expectations were lower. And ended up being exceeded in a lot of ways. <laughs> Fuck yeah, yeah. I, uh, I I know there's a there's a bit of a group of, of of kind of digital nomads that listen to this now. And one thing I would say to them, I think if I was going to live somewhere, mm. I'd probably live in Colombia. That might be a personal preference, but I just think it would be yeah. more because the price is a little bit cheaper. You know, the weather is a little bit more convenient and consistent. Yeah. yeah. And I feel like it's just a nicer place to be long term. That's you fair. Run around and go from point. If you want to run around and go from point to point and see site to site, tourist wise, Peru kicks the shit out of Colombia. Yeah, I think that's a fair statement because even in Colombia, I would say a little bit more modern, like modern technology wise and just getting around even water, like that you can drink the water too. Like that's, that's in, <laughs> yeah, Colombia. yeah, not everywhere, but places, some of the places we were. Yeah. But yeah, I think that's a good, I think that's definitely a fair, a fair thing to say, Sid, like. Peru, I don't know if I would want to live there, but I would definitely go back as a tourist. And like you said, we could do a totally different trip, not do any of the things we did this time. And it would still be, it would still be incredible and still be easy to do because there's just so much you can do as a tourist. Yeah. Like we literally left being like, oh, like, fuck, we didn't do this. We didn't do that. Like there's still stuff like that. I'd like to go back and finish. Yet we left Colombia and we're kind of like, yeah, we, we did it. Like there's maybe the, the, what's that trail there? There's, uh, like the ancient or the lost city trail. The like lost that. city trail. Like, oh, yeah. That, that'd be cool. But like other than that, I feel like I kind of did it. Yeah. Dude, we, 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 we did Colombia separately. Well, I know you guys did it together, but I mean, I did it away from you. And I left, I left with the same feeling. You know, I was like, right, I'm happy with what I've done. I, I would be comfortable if you put me there for six months, but I was happy with what I'd done as a tourist. In Peru, I'd go back tomorrow if you offered it to me. Yeah. Cold Peru, Peru trip part two. <laughs> Live recording, baby. I thought, <laughs> I thought we, I thought we were doing Mongolia next year. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck that. We're doing Prague. After people listen to this story, they'll definitely understand why we're going to go to a more generic place <laughs> after we're going to Prague. <laughs> okay. So let's, let's, 
let's get into the story because fuck, we got some stuff to cover here. Mm-hmm. So to remind people of the itinerary, for those who maybe didn't listen to the past episodes and knew what was coming, Sid and I were initially going to fly to Peru together and we were going to do the uh, land in Lima, then fly to the north of Peru to Iquitos to do the jungle. After a week in the jungle, we were both flying to Cusco to meet up with Jacqueline to then do more of the mountainous stuff. And you may be hearing that and being like, okay, you know, you're going to the jungle, weather's like... 40, 45 degrees, humid. So you, you know, you need certain amount, certain type of clothes for that. And then when you go to like the mountains, you need, you know, it's going to be cold. There's, there's snow in the fucking mountains. Like it's, it's two different, very different climates. So for me, before even leaving, I had packed so much shit. I had like rain stuff that we definitely needed. Right, Sid? Uh, <laughs> uh carry on. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought you might have a comment. Uh, uh, warm clothes, you know, trekking boots, had all sorts of shit. I'd, I've never done a trip that I've been more ready in my life. I land in Lima after a number of hours of traveling. My bag didn't show up and I literally came with the same amount of stuff as Sid did. So there you go. All that time preparing. Literally, you, you, anyone who's listened to this, who's traveled with somebody who likes to repair, you'll know the pain that this was from every, <laughs> I would say every, every two days I'd get a call. Dude, have you got any, have you got any long rain pants yet? Dude, dude, have you, have you, have you got a long sleeve? Columbia yeah, shirt. I also got, oh my God, man. I man. also got the fucking calls man, from you me being like, hey, can snake you bring boots? me a sweatshirt? <laughs> dude, have you got any snake boots? <laughs> so yeah, okay, we were both as bad as each other, but at the end of the day, we both showed up with nothing, so. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so, so at day one, I land in Lima. No fucking, I've got no bag, so. Basically, I, I found a hostel, had a few drinks to relax myself after realizing that I might not have, you know, all this clothes I was ready, that I was going to be ready for, for my trip. So next day, I, before our flight, I was like, all right, I got to get some underwear. I got to get some toiletries. I got to get, you know what I mean? I got everything. I got to get everything because where we're going in the jungle is like fucking dirt roads. Iquitos is, there's a lot of dirt roads. So they'll probably be no Walmart out there. Um, so I go to Lima, get ready, get all my, sh- get all as much shit as I can. And then my plan was then to, you know, take a Uber to the airport and meet up with Sid. So I'm in the Uber and, uh, a lot of traffic in Lima. We're, we're maybe about like kilometer, kilometer and a half away from the airport. And I'm in about eight lanes of traffic and I'm on my phone. And all of a sudden I feel somebody take my phone. My window was down and there was a guy who just jimmied his fucking hand in, stole my phone and just crossed traffic. It wasn't down, so, down. It wasn't down, down though, was it? What do you mean? Like it was open. Like as in, there was a crack in the window. Yeah. But you yeah, had, it was like you half, have it open half, the halfway. No, no, no. It was halfway. So the guy shimmied his way in. He, he literally took his arm and went like, dang. And so I, go, I, go, like, I realized, I'm like, I'm like, Jesus fucking Christ. Like somebody stole my phone. So I got out of the car. Start yelling after the guy and it didn't, it ended up being more than one guy. There's two guys that were running with the phone. And then there was a third guy who was trailing who turned towards me when I was getting near them and fucking pulls out a knife. And at that point, I'm like, just what, what do you do? Like he pulls out a knife. Like you're not replaceable. Like iPhone is, but you say bye bye iPhone. <laughs> you give him, a, you, give, point, like, you give him a fork and tell him, you give him a fork and tell him to fuck off back to the restaurant. <laughs> 
Yeah. So at that point, I was like freaking out because one, I had all of our passport details on my phone. I had my credit card associated to the phone. I had my, which I later learned that I needed my vaccine passport to even get into the airport on my phone. I had just so much shit. Boarding pass. Out. So the tax boarding pass, I had everything. So the Uber driver drives me to the police station at the airport, talk to the police officer, police officer kind of laughs it off and is like, yeah, well, you're not getting your phone back basically. And I'm like, well, fuck, <laughs> dude, like I, I, like, I, I realized, like this, yeah. Anyway, so then, I, like I said, I, I tried to get into the airport after talking to the tourism police that wasted my fucking time. Try to get in the airport and Peru, like, I didn't know, but it's like super intense with COVID at the time. And you needed like your vaccine passport to get into the airport. They wouldn't let me into the airport to then take my flight to then meet Sid in the, the connecting flights. So I had to fucking go back to the police, get the police to explain to the person at the terminal to let me into the airport. Anyway, so... I've, I got, I got to the, uh, I, I went through security and found the nearest bar near our gate and just started crushing beers. I think by the time Sid came in, like I was still shaking and it was on beer number three. <laughs> Sid was super happy to see me. He's like, Oh my God, what's up, buddy? And I'm like, man, I just got fucking robbed. Like, give me your phone so I can call Jack and can't like close just off all our accounts. I, though, I was also super fucking shocked to see you. Because I'd been sending you messages for like the last hour and I was getting the one tick on WhatsApp and I was thinking like, oh, fuck, one of three things has happened here. Either he doesn't like me anymore, he's blocked me and he's fucked off to Costa Rica or done another trip, (laughs) which is possible. Or he's fucking like fallen asleep, missed the flight and this is not happening, you know. Or actually, yeah, I, did, I didn't have a third option. Yeah, it was two. There was two options. It's two options. Yeah. So I was not. Expect- no. I was not expecting to see you there. No. And and at that point, like so we were, it was a great surprise. Yeah, I mean, literally called Jacqueline, told Jacqueline, I just got fucking robbed. Like, I need you to go on my computer and just start like deleting shit on my account, like on my Apple account. And she's like, Are you Are you messing with me? I was like, No, like I'm I'm dead serious. Can you like please hurry up? Like, and yeah, thank, thank I think it's I think it started as. I don't want you to panic, but I just got robbed and I need you to log into my iPhone, find my iPhone and see where my phone is. <laughs> and I was like, wait, what? Because the last time I had talked to you, it was similar to Sid. I'd been messaging you being like, hey, like um, on the way to the airport, that's great. I think Sid's flight should be there by now too. So I was like, oh, that's great. Like they'll get there, they'll meet up, reunion, start the trip. And it was similar to Sid where I only got one check mark on whatsapp and i was like hmm, that seems that seems strange <laughs> maybe his phone the, died the, the the best part of this phone call though was after about 30 seconds of i don't mean to alarm you was call jake tell him to set my fantasy lineup yes I need that the was... best running back from denver <laughs> yes that was the next first it was get my apple pay off my phone look at where the phone is and then tell Jake to set my fantasy straight, team for straight, Sunday. Straight to fantasy. No no fucking around. Straight to fantasy. Yeah. It's my retirement plan, guys. Relax. But yeah, so from there, we we basically were like, you know, let's get on the beers and start the trip. And uh, we literally got on him pretty hard. I think it was like buy three, get two free. We fucking hammered him in that airport. That was one of the best airports I've ever drunk in. Yeah. More than two beers till yeah. takeoff. <laughs> Jesus, we we yeah, definitely like, had some zeros. Like Ten on it. beers, no takeoff. At least we almost literally missed our flight because we were cranking beers, and they changed the gate last minute, and we were on the last bus to like get out to the air to the airport or to the air air airplane. 
Oh, we got some I, I still had a handful please. of the free ones in my hand luggage as well. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, so free ones still in my bag. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so we take the flight. We go to Ikitos, and like I said, Ikitos is a lot more rural than Lima. It's in the it's the what is it? The biggest city that you can't get to by car in the jungle in in uh, Ikitos. That's in, uh, exactly what it is. You can you can oh you can only arrive by boat or by plane. Be before we get into this, though, as we do travel tips, can I take off for a second? Go for it. Thanks. Uh, one absolutely exceptional bit of advice that I'd give to anybody that's based in South America or that is traveling around South America that you might not think of is uh, domestic flights are exceptionally cheaper than international flights. For example, I looked into flying directly to Lima to meet Phil, like, without fucking around, and it was four times the price of me flying to the border in Brazil and crossing by land. I did have to catch a bus, okay, but the journey was five, eight hours to the airport, okay? Eight hours, okay, it's not short, but it's not the end of the world, and it was a quarter of the price. So, and the border was absolutely no hassle. There actually, I crossed at night. There wasn't actually anybody there. I didn't even get a passport stamp. I didn't even know that I entered the country, which may or may not be illegal. I believe it is. But, you know, what I'm saying is they definitely didn't check that. <laughs> yeah, they definitely, fucking hell, the taxi driver was pissed off on the way back. You've got to go into immigration. You've got to go into immigration. It was like, I'm not fucking stepping in there. Can't tell them I've not, I, I've not fucking been here now. I'm going home. Um, no, so okay, so you've got to catch an eight-hour bus, yeah. But for the money you save, I didn't need any. Uh, I, I've got, I've been vaccinated because I'm not a lunatic, yeah. But you like, you didn't need the vaccine certificate. You didn't need the yellow fever certificate. Like, you you could just run across. And it was the same when I went to Bolivia after I left you guys, yeah. Mm. Straight in by land, no border check, no COVID check, nothing, yeah. Nobody gives a fuck. There's no rules, so yeah. There's no rules in this country. Yeah, only suggestions. So yeah, guys, if you can find domestic flights that are close to the border, you will save a shit ton of money and your life will be a lot easier. Your trip might be a little longer, but fuck, if you've got the time, I I definitely recommend it. That was the tip I was going to give anyway. I'll, I'll give another one just like I know we're not doing a top five at the end, but uh, don't check bags. <laughs> and if you are, put a fucking Apple AirTag on it because holy fuck, man, <laughs> these companies are absolutely fucking useless. Like it's... Sa what are we saturday october 15th now yeah i left on september 23rd i still have not received my bag they're absolute plugs <laughs> fuck those people all right let's before before i, I go on a rant let's let's get into some, some more uh, interesting stuff let's talk about the jungle so sid and i yeah, let's talk about the jungle let's talk about moikaro moikaro <laughs> Let's talk about the jungle. So Sid and I land in Ikitos. We get hounded by all these tuk-tuk drivers trying to overprice us on on fly or getting a taxi into the city. And anyways, we finally get one. And while we're on the on the tuk-tuk with the guy, the guy's like, hey, like, uh, I know like but, a place that does you, jungle but, tours. Bef before you jump to that, we should probably explain the Mui Carol thing, yeah? We could, which, yeah. I was expecting to do that. Yeah, little, well, I, well, we might as well, we might as well get it started because it's going to come up every time somebody says something. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Go ahead. Tell us. But, yeah. Well, okay. Well, quite to put it in the simplest terms, Mui Carol means very expensive and basically is trying to prompt the other person to make it cheaper. In Peru and most of South America, predominantly Peru, everything seems to be negotiable. So if you say it, they're likely going to drop their price. And we found out that if two or even three of you say it, they're definitely going to drop your price. So Every time somebody said a price for anything, even if it was like, you know, the guy at the hotel, the guy for a taxi, the guy selling a beer, if it was, you know, 
the woman at the optician selling a pair of glasses or at the pharmacy. Muy caro. Muy caro. Muy caro. <laughs> and it's... Anyway, anyway, so the taxi drivers are muy caro. Yeah, we, we get a good deal. And then the uh, the taxi, or the tuk-tuk driver says, hey, you guys looking for a jungle tour? Like, I know a company. And if you guys are interested, I can stop while we, we stop to, to drive you home. And so we say, fuck it, let's do it. Because we hadn't really planned to, we hadn't, we hadn't already booked a, a place. So we stop into this this guy's place. The guy offers us a couple beers. And, uh, you know, the guy's really down to earth. He's he's really talking our language. He's, he's You can tell the guy's not a bullshitter. He's like, okay, this is what you're going to possibly see. This is what you're possibly going to do. You won't see this. Uh, we can do this, but it's like, he's like, you can go and talk or uh, go see indigenous tribes, but like, it's a show. It's not even real. Like these people don't live here. So you guys, so he, he just gave us a really realistic uh, itinerary. He gave us a really good price. Like he quoted us, what, 300 Canadian dollars to 900 solas. Well, yeah, the price is 900 solas. I don't know what it is in CAD. Yeah, it's 300. I'm not calculating. I think so. Yeah. But so that's, that's 300 bucks for, uh, four or three nights, four days in the jungle. That's accommodation. That's all your excursions. That's all your food. And I mean, if you look online, it's a lot well, fucking to make, to make it, to, 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 to make it, to make, to make, as I say, to make it simpler. Yeah. When we looked online for that kind of trip, you were talking like in the thousands of dollars. Yeah. U- yeah. USD, USD. Cause I checked my account was two two hundred and $225 for that trip. $225. Wow. So I guess that's another tip Dude. for Peru is if you show up and then you get the, the price when you're there, it's going to be so much cheaper. Like don't book in advance. There's so many companies, so many companies. It's overwhelming, overwhelming with how many companies there are doing jungle checks. That's all these, that's all there is there. Basically jungle, comp- jungle check companies. So go get the better price bollocks. in person. That tips bollocks. Not, uh, not as in that it's actually complete bollocks, which is just bollocks of Peru. It's, it, it works everywhere. Prices are always cheaper on the ground, which is why I say never to book anything. Prices are always cheaper on the ground. Always, religiously, everywhere. I've never seen an exception. Uh, well, I would, I would give you a couple of exceptions. If ever there's less companies that are doing it and they don't have the capacity to then take you in, then you might not be able to do that experience. So we don't, we don't, have, we don't have time for you to prove me wrong. Move on to the next subject. <laughs> I will say though, Sid, the one thing in Peru that I would not recommend doing that for would be your Machu Picchu tickets, which we'll talk about in a bit. But there's certain things that are extremely desirable touristy activities that buying them immediately before when you get there may not be the best idea. Yeah. If you want to get you are completely correct. But I'm but that is an exception to the rule for sure. No, but let, yeah, okay, let me rephrase my statement then. Ne- nearly all of the trips are cheaper on the ground. <laughs> nearly all of them. There you go. Much better. Fucking hell, I should right. have a podcast. <laughs> all right. Back to the story. So, so Sid and I, we talked to this guy and said, listen, we're not going to decide tonight. And I said, like, I still need to get clothes. Like, I got some clothes in Lima, but I'm still missing, you know, some sunscreen, bug dope. I'm some long shirts. I'm missing like I, I like at this point I don't have a phone, so I need a GoPro or something. Like I have so like so many can things you, to get. Can you, can you translate? Guys. Can you trans? Can you translate bug dope before you do that again? It's a bug spray. It's a Canadian version of saying bug spray. It's insect repellent, you twat. Yeah. Bug dope. I don't feel. I think that might be a French thing because I don't think I usually say that. Well, I mean, it should be a Canadian thing because it's hilarious. <laughs> I enjoy, I enjoy it. I just didn't, I, I didn't have a fucking clue what you meant the first time you said it. 
<laughs> bug <laughs> dope. I was with the, the smoke. I was walking around like fucking hell. Can I have a puff of that? <laughs> <laughs> so, so the next day, the guy picks us up, and we decide to go with him, and he gets us all our stuff. The you know the sunscreen, the long shirts, the GoPro, the bug dope, and. Um, yeah, we start up the next day. We start out on our, our trek. And so he picks us up at like 830 in the morning. And then we take like a two hour bus ride to this town called Nauta. And uh, Sid always told me, he's like, holy fuck, Sid, uh, Phil, something bad's going to happen because every bad thing happens in threes. So you got robbed, your bag didn't show up. And the third thing is going to happen in the jungle. So as soon as I sat in the bus to then go to Nauta, I sat on my sunglasses and broke them. And thank God that that was the bad thing. And it wasn't in the fucking jungle because holy fuck, was there not some a lot of shit that could kill you in the jungle? Yeah. Took a bus to Nauta and then we took uh, uh, a canoe basically to... This motorized canoe to our base camp <laughs> on, uh, on on the on, on the Amazon. So, anyways, we were not the only ones on the like that were going on the check. There was two other Israeli guys, and Israeli guys started to become a trend on this on this trip. Like, holy fuck, was there like I I literally was concerned that there was no more Israelis left in Israel. Because of the number of... Who the fuck is out there making the hummus? (laughs) Yeah. Like, every Israeli we met was always doing something super gnarly. So we thought we were doing something crazy by going to a jungle hut and then, like, doing excursions from that jungle hut. The Israelis we met were like, oh, yeah, that's not intense enough. We need to uh, build our own shelter. We need to hunt for our own food. We need to fish for our own food and be just completely out in nature with the spiders, with the fucking everything. Just because I think you've undersold it a little bit, yeah, it was a jungle hut. Yeah, you can't argue it wasn't. You know, it was a big, like, wooden structure, you know. But if it wasn't for your mosquito tent, yeah, you were quite exposed. Like, we, 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 we had an enormous frog in our bathroom that was, like, bigger than my head, right? Yeah. And outside of the jungle hut, there was a lot of animals running around. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Like, you, you could literally walk 30 seconds and see monkeys, yeah? It's not like this was a jungle hut next to a city with a hospital, it's with a water. bar. No. Like, there was a village of about 200 people that you could get to in about 50 minutes through the trees, yeah? But other than that, there was fucking nothing, Yeah. I, I don't want people to get the wrong impression, like, oh, fucking hell, they went, they just went to a place near a river. No, there was fucking nothing around. Yeah. Yeah. You couldn't, we're, you couldn't see or go anywhere. We're literally on the Amazon and we're, everything surrounding us is the jungle of the Amazon. <laughs> like, like the, like, let's, let's talk quickly about the animals that we saw there because fuck, man, there were so many. But, uh, first day we saw monkeys from a distance. We saw, uh, you know, like all sorts of birds and shit, but we went to, well, we, we went to go swimming in the Amazon and ended up swimming with pink dolphins that were like, what, like how many, how far away were they from us? Uh, the, 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 the last one, the, the really pink one that showed up can't have been more than like two meters away, maybe three meters. That was, that was honestly, I think my favorite moment because I, I'm scared of rivers, which I know <laughs> who listened to me before think fucking hell, this guy's tough as fuck. No, I'm scared of rivers. I'm scared okay, of that rivers. Was a great, that was a great moment. I'm scared of rivers too, Sid. It's okay. You can't see what's under it. It's scary. <laughs> yeah. It's full of river monsters. Why do you think I didn't go so, to the Amazon? It's too scary. Yeah. That was, so that was my biggest fear. So seeing the pink dolphins that close was fucking amazing. So cool. Yeah. You know, and uh, so, some of them are a bit gray and you go like, ah, boring. I'd see those in the sea. Ugh. But some of them are really fucking <laughs> pink. So that was great. What shade of yeah. pink are they? Are they like a light pink? 
Yeah. Well, the older the old the older they get, the pinker they get. So like we saw a okay. couple and you were, you were like, oh fuck. It's like shades, shades of pink. It's a little bit pink. The last the last one we saw, the one that came really close to us, fucking yeah, it was like a like one of those flowers you'd see in the garden. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, it was it was it was really pink. Uh, like a rose wine. Yeah. Okay. I mean, initially I didn't want to jump in the water either. Uh, because I went to the travel clinic and she told me basically, do not under any circumstances jump in any body of water because the Amazon is filled with parasites, <laughs> anacondas, crocodiles. And uh, so everybody fucking jumped. Yeah, piranhas. Ju- <laughs> everybody jumped in the water except for me and Sid. And I was like, well, <sighs> fuck it. So we just jumped in and yeah. I was, right, I was right in after Frank. I was right in after Frank. As soon as I saw Frank was ready, I was like, fuck it, I'm going to do it. Frank was our guide. Cause, yeah, you've got to try. You've got you, that. That's a great tip as well. You've got to trust your guide. If your guide says it's cool, mm. do it. Frank said it's great. So fuck, I'm not going to disagree with Frank the Tank. Was it deep too? Like, were you touching the bottom or were you like swimming? Yeah, we were touching the bottom. You could go out far enough. Okay. That you couldn't, but I wouldn't advise it. Okay. So you weren't like jumping over the boat. Frank seemed to know where the line was. You like walked into the water. Oh, no. no. Fuck. Jacqueline, we have limits here. Come on. Okay. That's what I was. Animals. That's what I was picturing at first. Like you guys jumping off the like, off the boat. Oh, it's like a beach. Okay. It was like a beach. Yeah. It was like an Amazon beach. With like weeds and stuff that you have to go through, like grass. No, we were like we were on a a boat, right? So we just kind of showed up. And then got off the, the, the canoe and then just onto the okay. beach. I'm just trying to like set the stage yeah. for people like me who are scared of rivers. So that if they are it, it, wanting to conquer their fear, they know that, you know, you don't have to jump over the boat into like the weeds and stuff where the crocodiles are. I mean, it looked like being in, a, in an infinity pool in a five-star hotel in Singapore. Okay. <laughs> yeah, Except, exactly you know, like that. without like all of those things. <laughs> Except nothing like that No, basically... Yeah, it's, it, it's literally just a very large brown river where there's a little bit of sand and no plants that you need to go through. So okay. they drop you there and you can sit on the sand and then go into the river. And because it curves around, the current is not so fast that you can mm-hmm. like kind of swim around a bit. Nice. Yeah. And then, so we went from there and then, you know, had supper and obviously like the, the food we had there was, was great. Like it was, portions in Peru are fucking huge and it didn't exclude this Jesus, place. No, place. no small, no small portions in Peru. Everything's bigger in Peru. Fuck. We call it the South American Texas. <laughs> <laughs> Except the people obviously who are fucking tiny shit bastards. Yeah, people are fucking <laughs> tiny. Sid and I would walk around and people were like, I saw, I remember this little kid in that market in Nauta. He was just like, I just saw a giant. He's like, holy shit. Yeah. Anyway, we're just like, I kept, I, I kept bumping into people in the supermarket and I kept saying to them, what are you trying to do? Suck me off. Oh my god. <laughs> I hope that one makes it to air. <laughs> but anyway, so we go from from the, the beach, have supper, and then we fucking the, the the guy's like, all right, tonight we're doing a night trek. So get your lights, bring your bug dope, get your long pants, your long sleeve stuff. Cause there's gonna be a lot of bugs and we just set out like into the jungle following our guide and at one point i realized that there was a lot of like shiny things all around us so like wherever my light went there was things that were like shining back at me and then i asked the guide i was like what's what are all those things he's like oh that's that's all the spiders like the, uh, the the lights are reflecting onto their eyes and just flashing back at you and then 
there was fucking millions. Like you literally only saw br- like bright shit everywhere. I don't like that. <laughs> yeah. So later on in, in the track, we saw like a sloth that was like right next to where we lived. And then we also saw uh, a couple tarantulas, which was fucking big motherfucker, big motherfuckers as well. Big, bigger than my hand, man. Like, like big fucking, big fucking hairy tarantula. And Phil, and Phil's got big hands. I've seen him palm a Peruvian and just pick him up. <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck <laughs> yeah so i guess we, we won't be detailing every single like day and stuff like that in the jungle but in terms of shit we saw man we saw like what six t- different types of monkeys we had yeah monkeys, monkeys ambulance monkeys uh woolly monkeys uh anyways we saw six different types we had monkeys crawl over us to get food which was that was probably one of my highlights because i i'd never never experienced anything like that uh we also uh, saw do you know what i was for do you know what i was for about the woolly monkeys yeah in the amazon it's like fucking 40 degrees especially in the part we were in yeah and there's no fucking breeze it's really really humid why would you want to be fucking hairy yeah but they're super hairy you want to be hairless yeah, so why would you want to be woolly? I don't get it. They should be in the Arctic. They could, they, 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 they take them. You're pretty cute. What's up, Martina? <laughs> yeah. But anyways, we saw, we saw caimans. So like, uh, alligators. Our guide literally grabbed a caiman, like by, with his hands. Uh, we went piranha fishing. That was fucking wild. We, sorry, 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 sorry. You shouldn't skip over that. We should mention this guy. Our driver, who was called Little Bird. Yeah. And, uh, the guy, is just the epitome of what I would like to be in my life. What everybody, what every man should aspire to be. I've never seen somebody so comfortable in his surroundings. Like we, yeah, we were looking, we were looking for them. Yeah. We, I, I, I can imagine. I wouldn't want to compete with that. Right. <laughs> he didn't speak a word of English. Right. And, um, right. We were looking out for these, uh, for these caimans at night and there was like Frank the guide spotted one in the background. Little bird without missing a beat. Yeah. Because we weren't on our canoe at this point. We were walking through the trees, jumped on somebody else's canoe, took it across the river, yeah, and just dived straight in with his hand and picked it up by his neck and pulled it straight out of the river. Like the guy he, did literally just not give a fuck. Like he, he was built to be a jungle man. No, the guy, the guy was nuts. Uh, next day after that, we went piranha fishing, which was probably one of the highlights for me. It was pretty fucking crazy. We had these little fishing rods made out of like a piece of wood and with a hook at the end and you put like a, a bit of uh chicken skin and as soon as like in bit of Canada, raw, like, we, we, raw chicken skin yeah it was it, like we, i'm surprised we didn't get salmonella but like i, I as, like usually when you get a bite on a fish you can pull up and then you'll still catch the fish but the piranhas are like their teeth are so sharp that as soon as you feel a bite like the, the chicken skin's gone it yeah. was insane but and then fucking hard work and then and then we we later on that night when when the lights turned off we all got our our uh, headlamps and went spear fishing in the dark in the middle of the Amazon. It was fucking intense. We were about what six, five, six guys on a, or we were two guides, five. and then we had five, five guys. We were five seven guys. guys on a canoe, and we're all taking turns spear fishing these fox fish. So, do you remember the part where where uh, where you just heard like, oh fuck, while we were on the boat in the middle of the dark in the Amazon, and you heard like, oh fuck, oh fuck. And then the hornet started. Well, yeah, because I, I, I literally told this story to somebody about an hour ago, explaining that, you, you know, you might think that even with, with, with some bug dope on your man, some bug dope, 
you might be okay, yeah? You fucking aren't, because half the things out there don't give a shit about this kind of thing. The mosquitoes might do, not completely, but the other ones don't. These fucking wasps, yeah, or hornets, honestly, they would, uh, they, they, they were, they were, they were like this. I, I, I've seen alligators smaller than those wasps. They were fucking massive. Yeah. And so as soon as like one guy got stung, did you get stung too? Nope. Only man on the boat to avoid it. Yeah. Anyways, a bunch of people got but stung, and then finally the the tour guide's like, "Turn your lights off! Turn your lights off! Turn your lights off!" So we all turn our lights off, and they they left. But I mean, man, we were getting attacked by fucking wasps. It was really fucking painful too. Yeah. Let's move on here from the jungle. Uh, I realized that Jacqueline hasn't. Uh, so Jacqueline was still wasn't with us at this point. But I just do have to finish the jungle portion with one of the best things of this fucking trip. Sid and I did an ayahuasca trip. If you don't know what it is, it is a jungle hallucinogenic. And it's, <laughs> it was one of the fucking craziest shit we've ever done. We won't be covering it on this episode because it deserves its own episode. It will be coming out in the coming weeks. And oh my God, what a fucking story. So top, from top five, top, top five things I've ever done in my life. 100%. I was going to go top three. Absolutely fucking early. All right, we're just going to take a piss break and we'll be right back. All right, and we are back now <laughs> in the story. We've left Iquitos. We are now, Sid and I left Iquitos to meet Jacqueline in Cusco. And guys, we talked a bit about Cusco, but holy fuck, what a city. It's filled with fucking gringos, but holy shit. What a beautiful city fucking center. Gringos. What a what a, what a beautiful uh, Plaza de Armas is one of the most beautiful squares I think I've ever seen. We, we discussed this. I mean, there's a McDonald's right from the square. I mean, it's and what else do you want? And a KFC. Dude, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ping two points on that really quickly. Uh, number one, every city in Peru has a Plaza de Armas, in case you're wondering. Mm. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's actually a legal requirement for every city in Peru to have a plastic designs. Uh, and the second point, um, I remember reading in a Lonely Planet book, um, circa 2012, something like that. Yeah. Circa complicated word for anyone who's uh, not qualified in English. Um, the, the, the big, the main square in Brussels is the most beautiful square in the world. And I would have to Fuck say that. that is absolutely bottoms. Yeah. One, because it's a nice square, but it's not class. It's, it's not like elite class. Fucking hell, I don't know about you guys, but what we saw in Cusco, you know, like that main square, not even the main square of Cusco, even just the other squares. Mm-hmm. Like the main square itself is absolutely stunning with the mountains in the background, the big cathedrals on two of the sides, mm-hmm. those kind of Spanish colonial style buildings. Everything's perfectly kept. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even the McDonald's, Clean. even though it's there, they're not allowed to ruin the other. Yeah. The big, the big green part in the middle, absolutely paradise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we back. actually said um, when we were back in Cusco after you left, Phil and I went to one of the restaurants that was right on Plaza de Armas and we sat like up top so we could look down at the square. And um, one of the things that I loved about it was like, it just seemed like there was such a good mix of, you know, just normal Caribbean life mixed with a lot of tourists for sure. But there was kids like playing on a skateboard and they were laughing and falling off and getting back on. And there was just people like it just had that life that, you know, when you visit a city, that's one of my favorite things about going somewhere new is like just seeing people living their everyday life. The kids in their school uniforms walking through on their way home. And uh, yeah, it was just we just kept going back to the square you know, during the day, we're like, it's so beautiful. And just, yeah, it was amazing. Another thing that I loved about Cusco is that, so we stayed, um, 
So usually when we travel, we'll book like our first few nights somewhere just so like when we land, we like have a plan. I know Sid likes to have no plan and he'll just book something like five minutes before he needs to go to sleep for the night. But so that's what that's what we usually do. So we stayed like a few different places in Cusco because like we only had a few nights booked at our first place. So our first place was kind of like up on the mountain. It was a freaking trek to get up there. And the uh, elevation because the elevation, but had an amazing view of the city. And then after um, afterwards, we stayed like more in the center, like close to Plaza de Armas. And so it was cool to stay in different parts, like different areas of the city. So you kind of got to see see stuff around where you were staying instead of just being stuck in one place like for the whole time you were there. Um, Which is nice. It was nice. Yeah. I think that was a good decision. I, I think also we have to consider Cusco as potentially one of the best areas for high-end hostels. Mm. We like we like you said, we went from the one that was on top of the hill, then we had an, another one booked that ended up not taking our reservation because they had already sold it in person and didn't work out. But then they told us to go to another hostel and then another hostel, another hostel. So we got to see like four or five, six hostels around Cusco and they're all like seven, eight, absolutely nine, 10 hostels. I was there. I was there. I remember how many it was. There was a lot. Yeah. But, but they were all fucking beautiful. Like there was so many nice, mm-hmm. like Spanish architecture. You kind of get into this old building, but it's all so beautiful inside. Like we walked in one day, like there was this girl and this guy like playing music and like, man, I got to say Cusco is fucking awesome for hostels. But before we get more into Cusco, I want to talk about the first night in Cusco because Jacqueline uh, had come in from Canada. She was a little tired, you know, a little jet lag. She spent a lot of time on an airplane. And so Sid, myself, and one of our Israeli buddies, what's up, Sheer? Fucking the Shallow. sniper around. What's up? What's up, Sheer? We decided, we decided to go out on the city. <laughs> We decided to go out on the city in Cusco, but what, what we didn't realize. So we were, we were in one of the bar districts. We were walking around and it's a Saturday night yet everywhere we're walking by is closed. Restaurants, bars, bodegas, everything's fucking closed. And we're like, what the fuck is going on? Everything. It's like, it's like a fucking ghost town. Nothing is over. On a Saturday night. John's favorite night. (laughs) And then, so Sid, so I, I stopped the boys and I'm like, boys, boys, why don't we think of this? It's fucking election time. Election time in Peru means dry law, means that you can't sell alcohol. Therefore, everybody, everywhere was closed because they just didn't want to deal with not selling alcohol. So because of this, we decided to go back to our hostel. Our hostel had a bar. It wasn't one of the holes in the wall that Sid was talking about. It was one of those that, you know, you can actually fucking sleep on and you won't get an infection. Um so so we get to this we get to our our bar in our hostel and shit's popping off like club music going on a lot of partying going on so Sid uh Sid myself and uh, Sheer our buddy from Israel sit down have beers we're what like three four tall beers into it and out of the corner of my eye I see somebody with a yellow jacket and then a lot of people with yellow jackets and they start storming into the fucking hostel and they turn the lights on they all have guns and they're all videotaping taking pictures then there's all these people with red red vests that come on and there's about 30 people in total that just walk like waltz into the 
this bar while we're all drinking and we're just like, what the fuck is going on? And it's the election police and the police that come in and just are shutting down places that are partying during the elections. So Sid, myself and Sheer, we're all like, what the fuck do we do? Hands up in the air. Like, I don't know. Like, uh, what do we do? Like, can I drink my beer? And then like, we see two of the cops. Fucking that get pounded to, like, one of the Yeah. We see two cops. They like, you know, they walk in and like, they see that there's like a beer pong table and like two of the cops start playing like beer pong. So we thought it was like, okay, like we can finish our beer here. Like we'll, we'll be okay. And then I remember like the hostel owner was pissed. He was like, fuck, like everybody's got to get out. Like guys go back to your rooms. And I I went up to him and I was like, Hey, like, I understand why there's like a dry law because you know, obviously elections in South America are quite polarizing, but I was like, you know, everybody here is kind of like a foreigner. So does that mean that we get a vote for them kicking us out or like, why the fuck are they, why the fuck are they like, why are they kicking us out? It's kind of stupid. But anyways, we, uh, we got kicked out. Funny thing enough though, the night after still election time, still got a beer. So they, I think they, they, I don't, I'm not sure if they got fined or not, but anyways, we waited up people. There's no, there's no little grab. Brown bagging out of the supermarket was hilarious as well. Oh, we can't, we can't sell you these only if you put them in the bag until you get outside the shop. And then as soon as you get outside the shop, you take the bag out and you just walk down the street. It's the same fucking thing. The party must go on. I mean, oh, we we are like I'm not allowed to drink in public here, so I had to get it out of my system while we were down there. That's true. But anyway, so that was the first night in Cusco. So shit just kept getting, going crazy, and then we were getting ready to go to Machu Picchu. Now this is uh. So we had two different, very different experiences to get to Machu Picchu. If you don't know what Machu Picchu is, turn this fucking podcast off and like, you're not wanted here. But uh, read a book, you come. <laughs> let, let, Jacqueline, tell us about Why Not Picchu because you're the one who did the most research on this. And there's different options once you do finally get to the top, right? Yes. So I did a lot of research on this before we went. Um, Machu Picchu, everywhere I read said you have to book like super far in advance. Some people book like a year in advance, book their tickets. It's one of the seven wonders of the world. I know (laughs) we didn't do that, (laughs) but I wanted to make sure that, you know, we're going there. We want to get the best tickets that we can and experience everything that the site has to offer because chances are we're not going to go back there. So when I was doing research, um, it came up that there was, multiple different uh, circuits you could do within the site itself. But then once you get into the site, there's different hikes that you can do. So the first thing that you can do is hike Machu Picchu Mountain, which when you see all the pictures of Machu Picchu online, you don't see Machu Picchu Mountain because that's the mountain that's actually behind you when you're looking at the site of um, site of Machu Picchu. The second hike that you can do is Wayana Picchu, which is the mountain that you see when you look at the site itself. And big so, fucker. yeah, the big one, the really steep, like high mountain. Sit. <laughs> Thanks, boss. Um, <laughs> when you were talking about the roots, right? Um, were we actually checked on those roots? Could we have a? Could we have legitimately booked anything and just walked through? Because I get the feeling no. when the guy took our, our names to go into Wayana Pichu, we literally just wrote names in a book. I'm not encouraging people to do. No, so we do it. So I'm just saying, if you accidentally book the wrong ticket, it might not be the end of the world. So to get into Wayana Pichu, our our tickets that we had to show him like said Wayana Pichu on them. So like we booked circuit, whatever, circuit four plus Wayana Pichu. So for us, like we, our tickets to Machu Picchu were for 7 a.m. And then we had between 8 a.m. and 9 a.m. to enter the Wayana Pichu part of the hike. So really we only had 
an hour and a half or so by the time we got in to walk through the site of Machu Picchu to get to the base of Wayana Picchu. And we ended up doing that in about an hour or so, just because we wanted to get to the hike before, as early as we as we could, essentially, and make the avoid most of the that crowds. Part. Avoid the crowds, yeah. So we were in the morning group for Lyanna Pichu, like the earliest group that you could get. I would strongly, strongly recommend getting the earliest possible tickets for both Machu Picchu and Lyanna Pichu. Hell yeah. 100%. 100%. It's so worth it to wake up early. I'm not a morning person at all, but it was so much more worth it to do that because you get to the site and there's barely anybody there. So you can just enjoy like just seeing this amazing like architecture, seeing the clouds, seeing just the mountains, everything without a bunch of tourists with like selfie sticks obscuring your... <laughs> I'm scared of you. When I was researching Wayana Pichu, everyone said like, if you are a hiker, if you're not afraid of heights, definitely do it because you get to look down on the site and there's not as many people and it's just an amazing experience. And I'm somebody who is, I wouldn't say I'm scared of heights. Like I can be up high and be fine. But I'm scared of heights if there is a chance that I could fall. So if I'm in like something where there's like a railing or there's like, I'm in a gondola and it's like closed off in a plane, like I'm fine. But if there's any chance that I could slip and fall, I'm scared. And I will not lie, why I'm going you the hike up. Sid was marathon running way the hell ahead of us. I was hiking. And I mean, there's some parts where you hike and you're walking. There's other parts parts where you legitimately need to climb and hold on to like a metal rope. There's parts where you need to use your hands on the steps because it's extremely narrow. It's very steep. And there was parts where I was like scared. There was parts where I was like hanging onto the side. And I had that moment of panic of like, oh my God, what if I fall down? Like, this is not, this is not safe. So if you are extremely scared of heights, I would not recommend doing it. But if you are like me and you're just a little bit scared, you can power through it. It was so worth it to get to the top because once we got up there, there weren't that many people and we could see just the entire Machu Picchu site um, from super high. We could see all the mountains around. The hike out because you're at altitude was like harder than you would anticipate it to be. So we took lots of breaks. We looked at the view. And so when we actually got to the top, it was like a good, it was worth it. It was like a good reward for doing this really insane hike to get up. And the interesting thing about it is like the hike. So when you get to near the top, the hike up is different than the way down. Just to prevent people from trying to like climb over each other and so the really, really steep parts, there's only people going up or there's only people going down. Um, so that was good. But on the way down, um, we met a lot of people that were hiking up, like on the bottom part of the mountain. So that was the other advantage that we had of going early because when we were hiking up, there was nobody coming down at all. So we didn't have to stop and let people pass or anything like yeah. that. So that's another reason. And judge us for, for being out of breath. Yeah. And judge us for like <laughs> taking a million breaks. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I would, I would say that was like, I don't know about you guys, but that was like the highlight of Machu Picchu for me. And I didn't anticipate that it would be, I was like, oh, it'll be like a nice hike, like whatever. But it actually ended up being like the best part of Machu Picchu, I thought. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Sometimes you have something really built up in your mind of like wanting to do something, thinking it's going to be amazing and then getting there and being like, "Eh, it's nice, but it's okay. I think Machu Picchu was one of those things that was exceeded expectations. It was 100% worth it. If you are in Peru, 
it is expensive, but do not skip doing it. It was absolutely incredible. And it definitely like, it's a wonder of the world for a reason. For a reason. So, for yeah. a reason. Yeah. And I think all three of us were just really blown away by how incredible it was. So don't skip it. Yeah. I, I want to transition from I want to transition from this to start talking a bit about when I was going to propose and Jacqueline and I had uh, one night and two days reserved at Humante Lake and just to give a bit of backstory when I was in the jungle Sid and I and uh, two of the other guys that we were with and we were having some drinks one night and I said boys Sid said something like. Phil, when are you getting married? And I was like, yeah, you're right. Like, when am I, when am I getting married? Like, and then I, I started talking to the other guys because they had done a bit of Peru before. And I was like, where's the best place to propose? Saying like, you know, we're going to do Huayna Picchu, Machu Picchu. And we're also going to be doing Humante Lake when Sid, you know, uh, splits up with us. And the guy's like, man, like do Humante Lake because Machu Picchu is, there's just way too many people. You won't have that private moment that you would, probably want to propose so we said do humante lake it's you know there's less tourists it's still a very beautiful site and do it there so sid parted jacqueline and i we woke up it was it like four in the morning to go on this to start this trek we got picked up at four so we woke up at we got picked up at four jesus Christ, it was early. But anyway, so what we were planning to do is to sleep in these dorm, uh, domes through the Salcante company. And uh, yeah, so first day we started trekking towards base camp, which was like 3,900 meters. And uh, we, we got there and you just tell like the climate. Like, first of all, what was cool on our trek is that I actually got to see a snake in the wild. I thought I was going to see one in the fucking... Amazon, and I only saw one in the mountains near Humante Lake. And when I went to go fucking try to grab it, the the, the guide was like, uh, "Don't touch it; it might be poison." I don't it. know. Yeah, you you went to grab it. Yeah. Fucking psycho. Yeah, he's a psycho. Well, it's because like like we have snakes around here. Like you just like it's a like grass snake. Like you just grab it. It's like whatever. Yeah. But anyways, so we kept we kept walking, get to base camp. It's like it's it's so beautiful, man. There's like about like what like twenty some domes, and mm-hmm. they all have like this like. Uh, you can also, you can see all the, 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 the stars and like the sky at night. Like it's, it's, it's almost like a, a 360 dome. Like it's, it's, it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. So at this point we're walking We're you know, we're at the dome. I approach the guy that we're with. I have the ring with me and I go to the guy and I say like, Hey, like I know that we're going up to Humante Lake to, or today. And then the next day we're going to another mount that's just adjacent to where we're at. Or it's like the, the right to the left of where we're at, uh, the Salicante track. And he says, do it on the Salicante track. It's way better. It's, it's, it's a lot more high and it's, it's a better place to propose. And that kind of screwed with my plan because I was like, okay, well, like, you know, if you propose at the Humante Lake, you know, it'd be great to, you know, have a night under the stars. It'd be beautiful. And so when we started getting ready for the Humante Lake, uh, trek, I was like, fuck it. I'm going to bring the ring just in case that I get up there and I'm like, fuck it. Let's, let's do this. So we start going up and let first, let's talk about altitude sickness. We talked about it briefly, but like altitude sickness is an absolute issue. Once you go to Peru, Peru is, has so many beautiful sites that are at high elevation. And like, for example, we got to base camp at 3,900 meters and there's a woman that was in our group who had to get like ambulanced out because she was so fucked up. Like we got to the top of Humante Lake and there was like puke all over the place because people like puke 
once they get to the top because of the elevation. But anyway, so we get to the lake. We yeah, we get to the top. We get to the lake. I at this point, like the 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 guide had told us that like it's potential to you know to be snowing, to be raining, to be overcast. But cold. this day is to be cold. This day is absolutely beautiful. It is fucking like twenty sub degrees. People are in t-shirts. It's fuck. It's 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 maybe the most beautiful day I've ever seen in my life. And the guide knew that I was going to be proposing, so he said to me like, "Hey, like, there's a place up there that you can go and you can kind of see the valley of of uh, of, of the region and just like just go up there. It's a bit more secluded. So Jacqueline and I go up. But so before we go up. The guide, the guide's like, yeah, just go, you know, go up this little, little hill, the other side of the lake. And at this point, like, I am not feeling good. The altitude is like, my head is throbbing. I'm like out of breath. I'm fucking climbing up this super steep hill from the base camp to get to the lake. And so the guide's like, yeah, do this little extra, like little extra hike. And I'm like, mm, I don't know. <laughs> like. I'm like, I think I'm good. And Phil's like, no, no, like, this is probably the only time we're ever going to be here. Like, it'll be worth it. Like, it's not that much further. Like, you can do it. Like, don't worry. Like, you can do it. And I was like, okay, fine. So I didn't even want to go to the next part. <laughs> That could have been a quick ending to this. Could have, yeah. Yeah, keep going, Jacqueline. Tell, tell us, walk us through it. So at this point, so we're at the lake, we're taking photos. Like Phil said, it was honestly just like, it was so beautiful. The weather, the scenery, weren't that many people. And so we decided to go to this other little part. And so we hiked down to the lake part. We hike up the next part and we get to like the top of like this ridge right beside the lake. The valley's on the other side. The mountains are right there. And it's just stunning. It's so beautiful. But I am just like so out of breath. So I get to the top. <laughs> I get to the top and I immediately sit down. Like I'm just sitting on the ground and Phil's standing. And so I'm looking at Phil, looking at the mountains. I'm like, oh, I have to take a picture. Like, this is so beautiful. So I pulled my phone. I'm like taking photos of Phil and I'm sitting on the ground and Phil kneels down beside me and grabs my hand and just starts crying. And he just totally oblivious. I'm like, what's wrong? It's everything. Is everything okay? Phil, stop crying, you pussy. <laughs> And I genuinely it's had... Out, it's just altitude. Yeah, I genuinely had... I just... It wasn't even in my mind that he might be proposing. I was genuinely <laughs> like, what's... <laughs> what's wrong? <laughs> and uh, yeah, that was... That was how we got engaged. Fuck. Yeah. And, um, and pop just questions. Just, exactly. just, just, just to clarify for everybody listening, Phil had met Jacqueline before this trip. They weren't just randomly in the same tour group and this happened. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, I met on Tinder in Peru. Yeah. No, but so so we we actually got really lucky, and uh, there was two guys that were in our tour group who the tour guide told them that we were going to propose, or I was going to propose, and so he had a uh, a drone and also went up and like literally filmed the moment of when it happened. So we got amazing footage of that happening on this you know in this amazing site so it was absolutely beautiful it was it, like it could not have gone any more perfect than it did it was it was fucking amazing i i I, I, yes. I i watched it really yeah fucking hell based on what you said up till now in the episode i thought you said buzz i know it's dicey no i i i i watched a video earlier and it's the most i've cried since i watched bambi i was in i was in fucking 
tears. It was beautiful. Fucking yeah. fantastic. So proud it of you was, guys. Uh, it, it was definitely, uh, definitely emotional. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was just so perfect. But it was amazing that that guy captured it. We, after that, we decided to go, or we, we went down the, the, the mountain again. And this mountain was like 4,200 meters, the, the Humanity Lake. And it was a very quick, like a short way down to 3,900 meters. So it was like, even I, when I went down, like felt kind of weird, like, you know, altitude sick. Jacqueline felt altitude sick. So we spend the night in the, the domes. The next morning, Jacqueline's still not feeling great. I'm feeling like pretty good. And Jacqueline still is kind of like, she's still a little bit cloudy. And the, the guide, you know, brings us like coca tea at like five in the morning. Still doesn't really help. We're at breakfast and Jacqueline's still like, fuck, like, I don't think I can do this. I'm a little bit, you know, and the guide literally tells her like, you're not going to be feeling any better if you're not feeling good right now. So therefore you should take a horse to go up the mountain because it's not 4,200 meters like we did the day before. It's 4,600 meters mm-hmm. and it's a lot more intense. So we got horses and Jacqueline, I'll let you finish the story because holy fuck, it was just when we thought that the craziness was going to end. Shit just fucking keeps going. Two beers will take off, baby. <laughs> Two beers will take off. Yeah. So I did not want to get a horse. Like first of all, let's just preface with that because I was like, I'm hiking this mountain, but the guys, our guide Miko was really like, I don't think it's a good idea for you to hike. So I really was not feeling good. Like my head was pounding. I was super tired. Just like did not feel well. So in the end, decided to do a horse. Like Phil said, he was going to get one with me because he was like, you know, we just got engaged. Like we're going to spend time together. We might as well do it together because otherwise we'd be in different groups like going up this mountain. And um, so anyways, we leave the base camp, go to where all the horses are. And so all the guides are with the horses and they're kind of matching us based on our size with the different horses. So Phil goes in the group with some of the taller, like, figure guys and gets put on this, like, majestic, huge, big, nice horse at the front of the group. <laughs> and I'm at the back of the group. You got a fucking stallion. Yeah. I'm, and I'm a tall, like, I'm sounds a, sounds a little sounds a little bit like Shrek. <laughs> yeah. Literally. I was on, like, a Donkey. tiny, tiny little, like, horse at the back of the group. And Phil's at the front. So we get on the horses and at this point, it's cold. Like, it's like 6 a.m. in the morning. Like we've got our hats on, our mitts on. The sun hasn't come over the mountains yet. So it's, like, quite cold. So we get on our horses. We start riding. There's probably, like, 12, 15 people in our group, including the guides. We're all on horses. We start riding up to do this trek. And so the first little bit, like, it becomes very clear that Phil's horse and that group are on the good horses. <laughs> and we already knew this, but I'm at the back with, like, the shitty tiny horses. So Phil's group is like way ahead of us. Phil looks like a freaking cowboy on the horse. Like his horse is just like leading the pack. He's in front of the guides. His horse is like trotting through the streams. Like he's holding on with one hand, looking around, enjoying the view. I'm on the tiny ass horse. He, uh... He he looked like Tony Romo, yeah. Absolutely, just bossing the cowboys. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like white knuckle gripping the horse, the the saddle of my horse. And the path to get on the mountain is like a tiny little narrow path with like cliffs on the side. And I remember the day before the guide telling us like, always go mountainside to the horses because you never know what the horses are going to do. And you never want you to be on the outside of the horse. If the horse like goes crazy, if you're walking, you don't want the horse to like kick you off the mountain. 
So I'm thinking about this as I'm on my horse and all the horses um, keep stopping. So if any of the ones in front stop, your horse will also stop. So they just kind of follow each other. So we're on the horses, we're on this narrow part. It's not like a cliff that we're on, but it's definitely like a very steep hill into like a very steep decline, (laughs) a very steep decline. And so, and the horses also go so close to the edge. Like they don't stick to the mountainside, but they stick to like the edge side. So on my horse, there's horses in front of me. There's horses like behind me and the horses stop. And my horse, like the guide is like yelling at the horses to go. So my horse is trying to go, but the horses in front are not wanting to go. They want to just chill on the side of the mountain. So my horse tries to go and it gets too close to the horse that's in front of me. And the horse in front of me just kicks my horse like as I'm right Fuck. beside it, <laughs> kicks my horse. My horse, I can feel it start to, I'm holding on. I can feel it start to go over the side of the, the hill, the mountain, whatever. Shit. And I was like, okay, I had a split second of being like, either I'm holding on and going down into this valley with the horse, or I have to get the freak off this horse. So I fall off the horse into like onto the dirt road. My horse goes over the side. And then all the other horses get spooked. What the fuck? Yes. So your whole, your your horse died. My horse went off, <laughs> went off the side of the mountain. He didn't die, but he fell off. Like he fell down the side of the mountain. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah. Like a video game. Yeah. <laughs> Jacqueline's horse it's minus like one life. No. It's like Red Dead Redemption. So I fall off. What the fuck? I'm laying on the ground. And I kind of like, it just all happened so fast. But then I see the guide is also on the ground beside me. All the horses are freaking out. There's another girl that's on the ground. All the horses are going crazy. The guides are all going tranquilo, tranquilo, trying to get the horses to calm down. And remember I said Phil is way the hell ahead of me. Like he's like way far up. So I'm on the ground. I get myself up. I can see Phil's like way up there, like far enough away that like he might not necessarily know it's me on the ground, but I know it's him in the front because I saw him leading the pack. Because I had and, a cowboy hat. Yeah. And so I get up. Well, I'm, still, I'm, still, I'm, still. I'm all dirty. I'm like trying to brush myself off. The horse is way in the valley. And the guy, one of the guides comes over to me and he's like, okay, okay, trying to brush me off. Goes down, gets my horse, brings it back up to me, and is like, "Okay, like." But before, before get back before on the horse. So, what the day? She, so before that, he, bring, he brings then, you up. I the, fucking, he, bring, I fucking, he brings you up the. He brings you up the dead horse. That's well, it's not fucking it's rude. Not dead. It's not dead. It, 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 it like lost its footing and went down a fucking cliff, but it's still. <laughs> it fell off the, the horse. Cliff. It fell off the fucking cliff, I, and then it was we, just we, like we, yeah. in the pasture eating the grass, like just chilling. Like the horse was like totally fine and all of this. Yeah. So so. I did look back and I saw that there was a horse down the fucking cliff. And I was like, what the fuck is going on? And I'm like, well, it can't be Jacqueline because like Jacqueline is my fiance now. Like <laughs> no bad things can happen to her. Like what the fuck? And then I noticed that there's more people, like there's a lot of people off horses. And I'm like, what the fuck's going on? Like Jacqueline, I can see is now off a horse. And I'm like, what the fuck? So I get off my horse trying to go and see, but it's like the, 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 like the the road is so narrow that to get to them that the guys like stop 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 you're gonna scare the horses everybody's gonna fucking fall off their horses stop like you can't go and I'm like like what the fuck but like I can see Jacqueline's like shooken up she's like you know there's still a bunch of dirt on her like she clearly t- like ate shit and fell off her fucking horse and I'm like holy 
fuck, man. Like, what the fuck just happened here? Like, and just to note, this is a quarter of the way up yeah. the hill. Like, we're not even at the steep parts. Yeah. So in my head, I was like, there's no way I'm getting back on this horse. But my options were get on the horse and find the rest of the way. Turn around and walk down, which like, there's no way in hell I'm doing that. Because I came all this way. Like, I'm getting to the top of that mountain. I didn't even want to take a horse to begin with. So I'm getting there one way or another. Or walking the rest of the way, knowing that I do not feel good at all, which is why I took a horse to begin with. And that I would be totally away from the group because the horses obviously go much faster than the people walking. Um, so I was like, Phil's giving me the thumbs up from far away. And I basically was like, I don't have an option. I have to get back on the horse. And well, well like that, that was like a, like, like a, like, are you okay? Yeah. Like, I wasn't like, yeah, you're okay. Like, I was like, what, what the fuck? No, but you were like, yeah. But I also knew that you couldn't come back and, you know, hike down with me. Like, cause you would also scare all the horses. So Fucking had to shit. get, got to get back on the horse. Find the rest of the way. <laughs> so in the rest the of the way, the rest of the way, everyone was so nervous because of that happening. So when we got to the really, really steep parts where it was actually a cliff and the horses were going super close to the edge, everyone was like freaking out and holding on super tight and being like, I don't like this. I'm super nervous. And the horses pick up on that energy too. So everyone, it was just like a very tense, tense ride to the top and the horses still every so often would just stop on the edge and not want to keep going so in my group phil actually beat us to the top by like more than 30 minutes because their group was just cruising along and our group was just taking their sweet time trying to scare all of us <laughs> as they stopped on the edge yeah it was it was fucking sketchy for me because like i was looking back and like always seeing like okay they're there or like you know what i mean we were doing that like that uh incline of seven turns like I, I could see you guys because we were like obviously over you like because yeah. you just like literally go up you, it's like an s right so you just yeah. do like seven seven s's and after that like we fucking lost you like i was like i uh, don't like i remember like we were going up another hill where we could see really far behind us and i couldn't see you for 10 minutes and i didn't see you till i got to the top and i was like holy fuck like am i like fucking up like should i get off my horse and go see what's going on like because i don't i didn't know like she your horse was clearly defective yeah anyways we made it to the top and thankfully did not have to ride the horse down we were able to walk down <laughs> at the end thank god for that eh? that's what happened in peru this was one of the craziest trips we have more fucking things to talk about on this trip but i mean jesus christ we're at what two two hours 30 two hours 40 it was fucking crazy there was a lot of ups and downs emotionally and based on the altitude <laughs> yeah <laughs> holy fuck guys hey i would not have wanted to do it with any better piece people than you two because jesus christ it was fucking transformative it was we just it was some of the best adventure i've ever had best experiences i've ever had love you guys i'd do it all over again if i got the invite Love you guys. As long as I don't have to go, as long as I don't have to go to Seals restaurants because they're expensive. <laughs> <laughs> awesome hey, Sid, trip, next guys. time you go on the trip, can you bring more than ten bucks? <laughs> what do you think I'm going to do? Overtime? Fuck that. <laughs> but anyways, love you guys. Take care. Thanks for coming on, and uh, this was fucking amazing. <laughs>
Thank you for listening to Two Beers Till Takeoff. Do you want free additional content or just to stay connected with the show? Then give us a follow on our social media platform. That means TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, all of them. Are you in need of podcast production services, video editing, or anything in between? Then look no further than Strut Sound Productions, the official producer of the Two Beers Till Takeoff podcast. Music produced by Alex Gagne. Check out his work in our show notes. Voiceover done by Viking Leo K. See you next week on Two Beers Till Takeoff. Thank you.